Welcome to State Lobbying Heroes Podcast, a podcast where we delve into the careers and personal life stories of some of the best and the brightest state government relations experts. I'm your host, Deepak, CEO of Legistracker. Tammy Fitzgerald was born in Texas. She was very active in student government during her school years. Her mother inspired her to be in politics, which led her to pick political science in Oklahoma State University. She worked also as an intern for a senator in constituent services while she was an undergrad. Tammy then went on to get her law degree in University of Oklahoma because she was very interested in constitutional law. After graduating from law school, she practiced oil and gas law in Oklahoma for six years. Tammy then went on a hiatus to be a full-time mom to her kids. What happened after that to make her move to North Carolina to be a lobbyist? How did her career then shape up to be an executive director at the Values Coalition? It was my honor to have Tammy share her experiences and wisdom about her career in this next episode. Hey Tammy, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I really do appreciate you taking the time. Hi, Deepak. Thanks for, for wanting me to come on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again. I know I've been like bugging you a lot to be on the show, so I really do appreciate you. You're a busy person, so I really do appreciate you being here. It's my honor. All right. So I'm kind of conducting these interviews primarily from a perspective of how a student or someone who wants to get into lobbying would like to ask these questions. So the way I'm kind of asking these questions is we're going to start from the beginning. I want to see your perspective as to you know how a lobbyist has to be and how someone can get into this field. So let's start from the beginning. So were you born in North Carolina? No, I was born in Texas. Okay. Well, was all your schooling in Texas? My, my primary school was in Texas, and then I went to college in Oklahoma. Got it. So how was your schooling? I mean, were you really active? in any student activity groups or like were you interested in politics back then? I was, yes. I was very active in uh, student government and in politics as well. Interesting. So can you like elaborate on that? I mean, can you please tell us what got you interested in politics? Was it like you were just reading newspapers or something would have piqued your interest? Uh, well, I, I, probably would have to say my mother got me interested in politics and I majored in political science in college and was very interested in politics and at some point during college I decided to that I was really interested in going to law school that was a, a major goal of mine and so I I did go to law school right after college and kind of went down the legal career path for a number of years so when you say your mother got you interested, can you tell us like, you know, was it, was she involved in politics as much or was she just uh, inspiring you to be in politics? She was just inspiring me. She was interested in presidential politics. And uh, so, yeah, that's just cool. inspiration. Okay, that's good. And you picked political science and was there any favorite course or subject you picked, which you were like really passionate about? I, yes, I think my favorite college subject was constitutional law, and uh, it was an undergraduate course, but it's really what convinced me that I wanted to go to law school. Oh, that's cool. And so you graduated from Oklahoma State University with a political science degree. Right? Yes, okay. I did. Okay. 
And did you do any internships or anything like that back then? Yes, I did. I worked in the office of a U.S. Senator one summer in, uh, in Oklahoma City. His name was Dewey Bartlett. He was in the U.S. Senate a long, long time ago. And I worked on constituent services that summer. And that, that's very tedious and frustrating. I, I can't say that it made me want to go into politics at that point. <laughs> Interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about the internship? I mean, what is constituent services all about? Constituent services involves when a voter calls their elected officials office and has a problem and they need help with the problem. And so the, the senator or the congressman, they have ways to help resolve problems that just normal everyday people don't have. And so constituent services means you're solving problems for your constituents. And that's what congressmen and senators spend a great deal of their time doing. Most people think they are in Congress legislating, but they're not. A lot of, a lot of what they're doing, their offices, particularly their staff, is sitting in the office working on problems that the voters in their district may have. And how did you end up in that internship? I, I don't remember. I am sorry, I don't remember, but it was a great internship. <laughs> That's good. So after the Oklahoma State University, you said like you picked law. And was there anything in particular which was interesting to you that you said like you want to jump and get a law degree? Well, I, I liked the law. When I was in undergraduate school, I liked constitutional law. And when I went to law school, I continued to like constitutional law. And of course, constitutional law deals with the cases decided by the U.S. Supreme Court that deal with the U.S. Constitution. And so that was particularly interesting to me. And I, I must say that it continued to be through law school. Yes. And is there anything... So let's say if you had to rewind the clock, would you right now, since you are a lobbyist per se, is there anything which you can think of which particularly uh, you acquired, a skill you acquired because of the law degree you got? Oh, definitely. A law degree really helps lobbyists. And you can lobby without a law degree, and many people do that, but I I do think it's very beneficial just from understanding how laws are written and how they're interpreted by courts. It, it helps you think like a lawyer. So lobbying is really the process of helping to formulate law. And that's what lobbyists do. They represent various clients who have an interest in certain types of laws being passed or have an interest in certain types of stopping certain types of laws from being passed. And so a lobbyist will help formulate not only the language that goes into the bill that then becomes law, but they also help the legislator understand what the language might do to the law. And so having a legal background, a law degree, really helps you think like a lawyer. Long-term consequences of that bill being passed into law or how's it going to impact other areas of the law and how's it going to be interpreted by a court. That just the rules of interpretation that courts use when they think about how to interpretate language in a statute, that, all those things help when you're a lobbyist. And would you feel like has anything changed over the time? You practiced law for six years, right? So yes. what was that all about? Can you maybe explain that? Sure. I, I was in a, a law firm in Oklahoma City and I practiced oil and gas law, which means it's, it's basically corporate law and property law 
and all of the clients of our firm were oil and gas companies. And so that was that was very interesting and exciting. And it was during, there are cycles in the oil and gas business. And I grew up in the oil and gas business. My dad's a petroleum engineer and both of my siblings are geologists. And so it was a very natural fit to be in a law firm that practiced oil and gas law. I was in litigation when I did that. And then eventually some of our clients had claims in bankruptcy and I represented our clients in bankruptcy court and sat on the creditors committee of some pretty large oil and gas companies. That's cool. Kel, can you tell us like, what did you learn from that experience, which is currently helping you in your lobbying career? Oh, well, that's a great question, Deepak. <laughs> I guess, I guess I learned how to negotiate. Most lawsuits never go to court. They get uh, settled in somebody's conference room. So a lot of negotiating, which is essentially what happens when laws are passed. When you're lobbying, you're negotiating. And a lot of times you don't get exactly what you want into the language of a, of a bill that's going through uh, the legislature. So you've got to negotiate things that you can live with and your opponent can live with. And so I, I would say learning how to negotiate is an important, an important tool for a lobbyist and a lawyer. And so after you practiced for six years, then you had a hiatus and then you came back to NC Family Policy Council. Is that right? Yes, that's so right. How, and how did you get into it? Well, I took an 18 year break in my career so I could be a mom. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was very important to raise my children and I didn't want to entrust that to anyone else. And I'm the kind of person that if I'm going to do something, I want to do it the best I can. Mm -hmm. And so to me, being a mom meant staying at home and being with my kids and giving up my law career. And that was hard, but it was in hindsight, it was the best thing I could have done. My kids are awesome. They're adults now. And I don't think my children would have been the people they are today had I not taken those 18 years just to devote to them and training them up to be good adults. And so I highly recommend it. But yes, I started back to work when my youngest child was a sophomore in high school and I worked for another nonprofit and learned how to lobby while I was with that nonprofit. Okay. And how did you get that opportunity? I just applied for the job. Uh, and yeah. so um, I knew the people who worked at this nonprofit and they were looking for an attorney. So I just applied for the job and they thought I was qualified to do it. So okay. that's okay. how I got it. Oh, okay. So, so you were still acting as an attorney there, but you kind of acquired the skills of lobbying. That's when you started getting into lobbying? Yes. Yes. I learned how to lobby at this nonprofit. Oh, got it. Okay. So you moved from Oklahoma to North Carolina during that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. At the beginning of the 18 years of raising my children, my husband's career brought us to North Carolina. Okay. Got it. So what kind of tasks were you doing in the North Carolina Family Policy Council and what was that organization all about? What is it um, it's, a, it's a Christian pro-family group and they, they work on legislation for family values issues. And so I was writing a lot, doing a lot of writing for their publications and then I was lobbying. Okay. So can you tell us, I kind of asked this question for every phase of your life. So what kind of skill did you acquire during that career? 
Well, I learned how to lobby and um, I, I, it was something that was foreign to me up to that point in time. And there are lots of unspoken rules about lobbying that I was taught by some very able people who worked there at the time. And so I, one of the things you have to learn about lobbying is the rules of the bodies, either the House or the Senate has rules about how the operations of that House are to be conducted. And so learning the rules was an important step and then learning some of the unspoken rules which are which is basically how to talk to a legislator uh, what kinds of things you should say what materials are helpful when you're talking to a legislator learning that some legislators lie to you and <laughs> trying to learn who can you trust who who can you not trust and uh, so those are some things i learned no, that's so cool. I, I know that side of it. So can you maybe explain a bit more on, let's not talk about the unspoken rules. How about the rules which you, which are like standardized, which you think, you know, might help someone who might be listening? Well, you can, you can read the rules for the North Carolina General Assembly, for instance, on the North Carolina General Assembly website, which is ncleg.net. And each chamber has their own rules and you can pull those up and read them. They cover things like how the committee structure works, how many votes are required before a bill is sent to the governor for his signature. I mean, all kinds of things. It would be too much to mention here, but just how do you get a piece of legislation passed? Generally, the rules are going to tell you how to do it. Oh, got it. Okay. That like that helps. So would you recommend if someone who's who wants to get into lobbying, what do you think would be should be their first step? Well, I highly recommend getting a law degree. It's not required, as I said, but I do think it gives you an advantage, not only in getting hired, but also in uh, just knowing what to do once you are hired. So a law degree is a is a good place to start. A second place to start would be probably to, to do an internship with a lobbying firm or a nonprofit firm that does lobbying. So I think that's a good way to get into it. Now the second after NC Family Policy Council, you then got work with Christian Action League. Yes. So yes. can you explain what made you move to this organization and what, what was all it all about? Well, it's a group that does the same type of issues, a pro-family Christian issues. And we were working on a big bill that year. And so I was hired to continue working on that bill. And so, yeah, it was pretty much the same kind of work I had been doing though at NC Family Policy Council. Hmm. And you were there for how long? Just a year. And then you moved on to state Republican party. Party, okay. Yes. Yeah. So this, this was really my first time to get involved in politics as a as a job. And I worked at the state Republican Party as the finance director in in 2010, and that is the person that raises the money for all the elections that go on. So that was an important year because that was the year the North Carolina legislature, for the first time in history both houses became Republican, controlled by Republicans. And so I was there to help make that happen. That's awesome. How did you get that position? I was hired by the uh, chairman of the state Republican Party at that time, who was a friend. Oh, got it. Okay. So after that, then you worked there for how long? Just for a year. Yes. Uh, okay. And During then... the election cycle. Got it. Okay. And then you founded NC Values Coalition. 
That's correct. Got it. So please explain to us what it is, what is your organization all about and tell us what is it kind of activities you do. So the North Carolina Values Coalition is a statewide grassroots coalition of people who are pro-life, who believe in family values and who want to protect religious freedom. And we work in both the political arena to elect people who share those values and the legislative arena to help pass laws that would advance those values. And then we work in the, in the U.S. Supreme Court to help protect the values that are in law. And um, so one of the things that we do is file amicus briefs in the U.S. Supreme Court on religious freedom and pro-life issues. And what was the drive or why did you think of setting up an entirely new organization? Was there nothing like this which you saw before you could be a part of? Is that was was that the reason? Well, I felt a calling from God and I'm a I'm a Christian and so I felt the Lord was calling me to start the organization. There I felt like there needed to be a presence for family values in the political arena because I had seen as a lobbyist that if people are are uh, people who don't share your worldview or your values are very rarely going to vote for the bills that you want them to vote for because they have a different worldview, different values. And so I felt like after observing this for a number of years, I felt that it was more important who got elected to office than what you said to them as a lobbyist after they're in office. And so trying to influence who gets elected to me is, is much more important than lobbying them. So I hear the one constant thing from a lot of the lobbyists who I've spoken to is that you need to have good relationships with everyone at the assembly. Absolutely. So, right? So yeah. can you tell us where or how can one get better at it? How can you improve your relationships with anyone at the assembly? Well, I mean, it's, it's like any other relationship treating people with kindness, treating them the way you want to be treated and um, being honest and truthful and people lie. It, it definitely leaves a bad taste in their mouth. And especially in the General Assembly in North Carolina, you, you can obtain a reputation for lying. Some people have that. And I, I work very hard to tell the truth in all situations because I think honesty is a value that other people respect. And another, another way to improve relations is to listen. Many times, as a lobbyist, you go in a legislator's office to tell them something. And it's much better if you go in to listen to the legislator. And then as they're talking, you can slip in the points that you want to make. And so uh, legislators are, are people just like everyone else. And everyone likes to feel like other people are interested in them. And the way you make people feel interested that, that you're interested is you listen to them, you ask questions. So that's just a good strategy in life, not just in lobbying. Well said, well said. So what, what are the current activities you're currently working on with the organization? Is there anything specifically which you're working on right now? 
Well, we just finished the, for all intents and purposes, we have now finished the legislative session as of this week. And we had a couple of bills that had passed uh, the House last year that we were trying to get through the Senate this year. And one of them we did get through the Senate, but the governor vetoed it last week. And so we, we didn't have enough votes to override the veto. But that was a bill that would speed up finding permanent homes for babies and young children who are born to mothers who are drug addicted or substance abusers. And so it would have helped these young children or babies find permanent homes quicker than what is happening under the current system. And I can't for the life of me figure out why the governor vetoed it. I mean, it, it seems ridiculous, but um, that's what he did. And um, so the other bill that we were not able to get through the Senate dealt with transparency in academic instruction in K through 12 schools, just requiring schools to put their curriculum online for parents to view because parents around the state have been denied access to know what they're actually teaching on certain subjects in the school. And so this was a bill about transparency, but we're gonna keep working on that. We'll keep mm -hmm. trying. That's great. So that's legislatively, that just that just ended. But we've also been filing a number of amicus briefs this year. I think we filed three or four in the U.S. Supreme Court. And um, some of the, the cases that have been decided in the last few weeks by the court are cases where we filed brief. In fact, there were two yesterday, and one of them, we filed a brief in that case. But And then we've been working on our election strategy for this year, which is to help get more pro-family conservatives elected to the General Assembly and the Council of State in, in North Carolina. So how do you come up with these issues? Do someone approach you saying like, okay, this is what we want to be represented, or do you come up with it on your own? Well, generally, we come up with the, with the bill based on problems that we've been contacted about by people in the state. And so the, the curriculum bill, for instance, uh, which we're calling Parents' Right to Know, we developed the bill in conjunction with some legislators to respond to the problem that we had heard from some parents that they could not get the school to show them actual curriculum that they were teaching their children. So requiring transparency seemed like a good solution to that. I mean, parents ought to know what their kids are learning in school. And so most of the time, it's something that we develop in response to a problem. Interesting. So looking, so that was all what has happened thus far in your career life. If you're looking towards the future, are you, do you have any kind of vision for your organization or for yourself? It, well, our vision is to continue growing and expanding to be able to hire more people because there is never there is never an end to the amount of work that we could do on certain issues. And so our vision is to be the most influential pro-family Christian organization in the state and kind of the go-to group for the press and for legislators and for the public on the issues that we work on. Mm -hmm. And do you hire any interns? We do. We have an intern this summer. She's going into her third year of law school. And uh, so we, we've been able to uh, give her some pretty exciting projects this summer. That's great. And if someone who's listening, and let's say if they, in the future, they want to be a part of your organization, what is the best way to be a part of your organization? Um, they should just contact us through our, our website, ncvalues.org. 
Okay. And do you foresee any openings coming up in the future or you're not planning at the moment? Right now we don't have any openings, but we're, we're constantly open if a good student comes along to an internship. Okay. And what kind of skills are you looking for someone who wants to be? Um, well, we are looking for law, law students are always great. Any students that might be in political science, or I understand now there's a degree program in fundraising or development. So anybody who's interested in that, yes. That, that all adds value. That's, yes. Okay, perfect. Because our, yeah, our, our organization is funded purely by donations. Okay. That's good to know. Well, I think those are the set of questions I had for you from your career perspective. Now I have a section which I call as rapid fire. So these would be like the general set of five questions I have. And based on if you want to answer very quickly, that's good. If you want to just elaborate, that's fine too. Okay. Are you, are you good? Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead. So the first question I have is, what are the three skills you think are essential for someone to be a good lobbyist? Negotiating skills, being likable and humility. The second question I have is, if you weren't a lobbyist, what would you be? Uh, a grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> I have grandchildren and some days I just long to sit and play with my grandkids. <laughs> Perfect answer. <laughs> the third question I have for you is, what is your favorite book, fiction or non? Uh, the Bible. That's an easy one. The Bible is my favorite book. Okay, cool. The next question I have for you is, do you have any role models in your life? I certainly do. Yes, I do. I would have to say one of them is um, a woman named Marjorie Dannenfelser, who runs a pro-life group in Washington, D.C. called the Susan B. Anthony List. She's definitely a role model for me. Okay. And can you tell us why? Marjorie is passionate about being a pro-life warrior and she's very smart and she is strategic in what she does. And so I think she's had a huge impact on uh, electing pro-life leaders to Congress in, in Washington, D.C. And finally, the last question, what inspires or motivates you? Well, uh, my faith in Jesus Christ. That's what motivates everything I do. And that's why I lead the NC Values Coalition. That's why I started it, because I believe in Jesus Christ. And I just want to honor him with everything that I do. And that includes my profession. What I do with my brain and my work all day long is important to uh, the Lord. And so I want to honor him with what I do. Awesome. So I would like to leave the, this conversation just for a few minutes or a few seconds if you want to talk anything about yourself or about your organization and anything which you think I should have asked you, it's all on you. Can't think of anything, Deepak. Okay, <laughs> no problem. If you want to yeah. talk anything about your organization or anything, that's fine too. You asked some good questions. I, I, I can't think of anything else. All right. Okay. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you so much, Tammy, for being on the show. I really do appreciate it once again. You're welcome. You're welcome. Again, it was my honor to have Tammy on the show and learn about her personal story. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day ahead. Take care. Until next time.